morning I wanted to talk about home. What makes a home? Home is where the heart is comes to mind for me right off the bat. I've lived in some homes, not probably some of us today have lived in more homes than I've lived in and some of us have lived in fewer homes. Um, my mother still lives in the home that she grew up in, which doesn't happen that often anymore. There have been times where the house that I've lived in hasn't necessarily felt like a home. When I went to college, I had dorm rooms and apartments with friends, and I don't know that they ever quite felt like home. Home was returning to family. Home was returning to the place where I knew I belonged, where I knew who I was. I wonder what you think of or you feel when you hear the word home. What does it mean to be home? In the family service, we were reflecting on the difference between a house and a home. The house can provide the structure, maybe the boundaries, the the protection for the home making to happen. But yet, the house isn't necessarily a part of what it means to be in a home. The children gathered came up with words like home is about love and family. Home is where there is trust, where there is caring. And yet there are also things that can break a home, that can hurt a home. And the brilliant tool suggested by somebody in the family service that homes can be broken, homes also can be healed. And one of the great healers of a home is duct tape and trust, which I love. Not, my, not mine, it was his, I love that. Duct tape and trust. What does it mean to be at home? In the gospel lesson we heard this morning, Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's talking to his friends. And to contextualize it, the gospel of John, there's this whole long section called the farewell discourse. Jesus has finished his last supper with his friends. In some ways, he's giving them a pep talk for what it's going to be like when he is no longer with them. He's equipping them for how to be together, for how to create community with each other. And he offers up the last of his famous seven I am statements. He says, I am the true vine. The Gospel of John is full of these I am statements. Jesus says earlier, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd, like we heard last week. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then this final one, I am the true vine. I think some of those kind of come with a a feeling that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, or Jesus is the gate, and this is how we determine who's in or who's out. I want to suggest that that's not the way John's gospel is constructed. That's not the context in which we are working this morning. John is speaking to a group of beloved gathered together in community. I think John is offering encouragement by sharing all of these I am statements with Jesus. 
And even this, this statement, I am the true vine, God is the vine maker or the gardener or the farmer, and we are the branches. And there is a little bit in there about the branches that are not bearing fruit, they're dead and they'll get cast off into the fire. But I don't think John is suggesting that like a, you better do the work or else. I think John's just stating a fact. Branches that aren't bearing fruit don't live. Here's the the beautiful piece that we understand because we are an Easter people. Jesus says he is the vine and we are the branches and he invites us to abide in him, to make our home in him. He tells us that we can do this because he is already making his home in us. God's grace is given out freely and abundantly. We are Easter people and we believe in transformation and we believe in transcendence and we believe that the unexpected happens. And it's through that light that we are invited to rest, to abide, to dwell, to make our homes in Jesus. What does it mean to dwell in Jesus? What does it mean to bear the good fruit that Jesus invites us to bear? Just as Jesus invites us to dwell in him because he is already dwelling in us, the text also says that we are all bearing fruit. We've already been cleansed or pruned, if you will, to go with the gardening metaphor. We've heard the good news, so we are already amidst the fruit-bearing vine. And God's promise is that God will continue to prune, will continue to cleanse, so that the fruit we are already bearing will multiply, will grow deeper, will spread out and ripple out in effect. We will bear even more more fruit. Jesus is the vine. Jesus is inseparable as the vine from his branches. If you you check out a vine, you can't tell where the vine ends and the branches begin. Everything is intertwined and grows in and out. And it's the vine that brings the life that makes the fruit bearing possible. Jesus is saying here that his teachings, his embodiment of love, has already prepared his disciples, has already prepared us. And God will continue to bring that work forward. In the first eight verses of this gospel, Jesus uses the word abide nine times. So it's not about what we have to do, what we have to earn simply about allowing it to happen. It would be almost getting out of the way so Jesus can do the work Jesus is about in us. What does it mean to make a home in Jesus? What does it mean to live in him, to live in union with him? Interesting aside, too. Jesus doesn't say that the church is the vine. The church, as a part of Jesus' body, fit into that. But Jesus, the person, Jesus, the Son of God, 
He is the vine that we are invited to dwell in and work with. It's our response to his invitation. The grace is already given. The grace is where we find the source of our faith. The grace is where we are nourished and supported in our faith. The grace is the means by which we bear fruit. My invitation to you today, rest in that knowledge. Rest in that love. Abide in the vine. Amen.